So we're in the, the Gospel of Mark with Mission 119, which is our two-year read-through-the-whole-Bible program, and today we're going to be in Mark 4. Uh, I wanted to share a, couple, a few things about reading Gospels. There's four Gospels in the Bible, three that are, share a lot of information and one that has a lot of unique information, but it's the same story from four different perspectives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in the New Testament. And these are, these are special books. These are books about Jesus Christ, to which the whole Bible, the history, the Psalms, the prophets, testify about Jesus. And then this is like, ta-da, here it is. The gospel story of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Um, I read about, there was a, a young pastor that was preaching at um, Charles Sturgeon's church. Is that right? I wrote it down. Spurgeon, yes, not Sturgeon, that's a fish. I knew it didn't sound right. But there was, <laughs> he was a Sturgeon, so he had to preach because the fish can't talk. But there was a young pastor that was preaching at his church, and he preached from Ezekiel. And um, Spurgeon took him aside afterwards and said, you're not going to be able to preach here anymore unless you preach about Jesus. You know, when you're, when you're preaching, you need to point it to Jesus. And the guy says, well, I'm preaching from Ezekiel. And he's like, yeah, so... That points to Jesus, so bring it back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That was an interesting story that, uh, for Spurgeon. You know, the whole Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. So, so we have the Bible that points to Jesus. Then we have these special four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the story of Jesus Christ, his, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And that's what we call the gospel, the fulfillment of everything the Bible's been talking about. So the whole Bible is, is completely valuable, but these, these four books are really special. They're really special because they contain the words of Jesus Christ in his life. And, they, and through them, you can really get to know Jesus as a person, like the Jesus who is still living and active uh, and, and living within every believer who knows uh, the Lord. So I have a lot of different artists I listen to, uh, songwriters, singer-songwriters. Uh, there's a lot of different types of books that I read. And sometimes an author or a singer is so so candid that you can sort of see how they think after a while. You can just see, this is who this person is. And there are people that I would love to go up and talk to uh, at, after a show, maybe a, a concert or a book reading. I'd love to go up and talk to them, and, but it would be really awkward because I would know so much about them, but they don't know anything about me. But, I, but at the same time, I feel this heartwarming sense of I know this person because the way they write is so confessional. Uh, they write about their inner struggles and their thought processes. Um, the way that they portray their life is so, you know, I feel like I know them. That I could go up to them and meet them, the real person, and feel pretty comfortable. Uh, the Gospels are like that. These are books about Jesus Christ, his words and his deeds. In them we see the kinds of things that Jesus says, the kinds of things that Jesus does, and through them we can get to know who Jesus is, like as a living being today in our lives. And so I read some really good advice about the Gospels that I hadn't really thought about before in a book, and I wanted to share it with you. The author said that he thinks that we should take, uh, read the Gospels on a regular basis to the point that we pretty much have them committed to memory, you know, for the most part. Like we just, just read them all the time. You know, when, you, when you're sitting down to read, read through the Bible, take some time and read a chapter here, a chapter here, a chapter here from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just get them into your consciousness. Uh, because when you have 
all of these things that Jesus did and said. Uh, it says, he, the author said, um, as he reviews the Gospels several times a day, he knows them well enough that he can literally scroll through all 89 chapters in his mind and find several examples of how Jesus acted or spoke in a given situation. And then he says, and then I attempt to do something similar in my current circumstance. That was really interesting. Again, this is the nature of discipleship is imitation. You're imitating someone who's a little bit ahead of you, and Jesus is, is the rabbi. Uh, we know that Jesus' spirit lives within every believer. So this isn't, a, isn't far-fetched to think to yourself, let's, let's first of all believe that Jesus lives within us, which is what the Bible clearly teaches for every believer, that the spirit of God is literally inside of you. Um, Jesus takes as far the imagery as far as to say, um, I believe in John 6, he says, I tell you the truth, this lost him a lot of followers, by the way. He lost a bunch of followers. In John 6, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. And that just sounded crazy enough that people left. Like they said, that is creepy and weird. Um, but this is a, a point that Jesus is trying to drive home. You... It's hard to theologically explain this, but you literally need to think to yourself, it's as if I've eaten and drank Jesus. He is within me. I've imbibed him. I'm, I'm, his presence fills me. And then as we follow Jesus, uh, we, we, re we read through these gospel accounts just, just regularly. We see the kind of things he said. We come to know his heart. We see the kind of things he did. We come to know, you know, what motivated him and how he, how he moved. And then as we believe that Jesus is within us and as we read the truth of what he said and did, we can begin to say and do the same things that Jesus did on earth because of his spirit living within us. I thought that was just an excellent observation and just something I wanted to pass along. You know, the, the whole Bible is absolutely valuable. It points to Jesus Christ, but these four books are special. And I think they deserve a special place in our, um, in our study and in our um, looking into the Word of God. So for what it's worth, that's my little preface. Because you get to know the personality of that guy pretty quick. And just reading in the first 12 chapters of Mark this week, uh, it, was, it was so fun to see the way that he, he worked and moved and to see how he might want to do, continue doing that through us today. So today we are in Mark 4. We're going to be reading Mark 4, 1 to 20. And this is the parable of the sower. So I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to to talk about it. It says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and then his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear... Let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, 
The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. This is a pretty good sermon right here because he gives you the story then he tells you what it means. It makes my job really easy. This passage, and this is Jesus' intent with this, is that anyone who hears this little story begins to think about where they fit into this story. What kind of soil they are. And so, he talks about different kinds of soil. And in my experience as a human as a pastor, certainly as a pastor, uh, these categories work for us today, just as well as they did back when Jesus first shared it, these different kinds of soil. So we're going to take a look at this passage kind of, ref- kind of um, in, in, a reflect- in a reflective kind of way. And I want you to ask yourself, you know, what kind of soil am I? Because it doesn't matter how much good word gets thrown on bad soil, if the soil's not good, the word's not going to go down and make a good plant. It's just not going to happen. So a lot of our life is just humbly asking the Lord as we walk through, through our lives. Lord, what kind of soil am I? How can I get to a place where I am the kind of person that can take in your word and have something good grow out of it? It takes some humility. It takes some reflection. But as we read this together, uh, let's, let's think about it. I'm going to put what Jesus initially said, and then his explanation side by side so we can see it together. So the first thing Jesus said is, listen. He's, he's, he's saying to everybody, open your ears to this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell. And then he explains later in Mark, the farmer sows the word. So here we have this idea that God is scattering seed everywhere. Everywhere. This is what we talked about earlier, that, that, that God's grace always comes first. You know, before anything that we decide we're going to do or anything we decide we're going to change, God's prevenient grace, it's called, it comes before, before anything we've ever done gets thrown on our lives. And, and apparently, you know, the image is that uh, God is like that farmer who just throws seed everywhere all the time in the hopes that something will grow. And that tells us something about just who God is and how he, how he works. Sometimes people think that God is stingy. 
I better not miss my opportunity. If God wants to do something in my life, I better not miss that opportunity because it ain't going to come around again. But the fact is that God is very gracious and he's very, you know, he gives with liberality to people all the time. And, uh, and sometimes we, well, we often just miss those, miss those things because we're not the right kind of soil, so we're not perceiving what he's doing. So listen, a farmer threw some seeds and it scattered all over the place. Uh, next in Mark 4.4, 4, it says, As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And Jesus explains in, in Mark 4.15, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I had a different thought about this than I've ever had in my life. I've read this passage many times and thought about it many times. I had a different thought about it this morning, and I wonder if this resonates with you. God throws some seed along a path, and as soon as people hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Think about what a path is like in terms of being a farmer or planting seeds. A path is a place that you have walked for so long that the grass is down, the grass, the plant, the grass and plants are dead, the soil has become hardened underneath your feet. It's pressed together really hard. And this passage says that sometimes God throws seed down in our lives, but he throws it on a path. And so people hear it. Yeah, they hear it. But it gets snatched up by Satan almost instantaneously because the path, it just sits on top. It doesn't take root. It doesn't get down. And I was thinking about paths this morning. There are certainly paths in our lives that we have chosen to make hard in our soil, you know? There are things that we have done repeatedly and done the same way our whole lives. We're creatures of habit, and we've just kind of pushed down that soil and made it so it can't really get affected by anything God might want to put into it. We're in our routine. But there's also paths in our lives that have been pushed down for us by other people, by our parents, the way we were raised, um, for instance by people who have sinned against us in our lives and really hurt us and damaged us. You know, we can, we can get some pretty well-worn paths through that. And think about a path as something like codependency. Think about that. You know what codependency is in a family system where basically everyone's emotional health, uh, every, everyone is kind of like, doesn't take responsibility for their own stuff, but they're constantly in each other's business in a serious kind of way. And codependency can be a path in someone's life where God might say, you know, that's not really healthy for you to be taking all that on yourself. The burden is for me to carry, not for you. But, you know, but we are so used to walking down this path, it's all we've ever known. We just keep walking, and the seed gets snatched up by Satan. Uh, there's so many different uh, paths that get pushed down in our life. But the point is, the sower, God our Father, wants to sow seed in places where we have very strong patterns that we have decided on. God's goal is that he would be the Lord of our entire life, that we would not be creatures of habit, that we wouldn't be people that are just operating off the instructions of our parents and whatever they told us, or operating off of the way we've always done things and the way we've always dealt with life. God wants the path, and God wants to throw it on his seeds, and he wants something new to grow on it. That's something I think that we can see in this. Ultimately, God is looking for us to abide in him, to become dependent upon him 
in our lives. A well-worn path for, there are well-worn paths for us culturally as well um, in regard to uh, the, way, the way that uh, money works and where our security comes from. Like, obviously, we all need to have these things. Obviously, we all need this. We have to get these things in order. Obviously, you know, all these things have to happen culturally. And we just go along with it. It's like a path that God can't even penetrate. And people feel like a total freak when they decide to do something different from the way, of the, the, way the world tells them to do things. But the fact is that God doesn't call everybody to go to college. I mean, I think college is great. I've been to tons of college. But God doesn't call everyone to go to college. But people feel such a strong pressure and their parents feel such a strong pressure to do it from the culture that it's a path. Like, even if God wanted to call someone out of high school to do something different than college, people are likely going to keep going down that path. It's all these kinds of things and all these kinds of ways to think about it. And I'm not anti-college, I, I assure you, you know. Um, think about the well-worn path of the retirement dream that people walk on their entire lives. I keep on almost knocking something over. Um, these are things people work for and they can't wait to get there, and then hopefully they'll enjoy it. But maybe they won't. Um, these, are things, these are all things, these, these things that we take for granted, the way we parent, the way we... Uh, go about life on the conveyor belt that the world puts us on, uh, the way that we deal with stress, the way that we plan for the future. These are all things God wants to have influence in our lives. And if you're a path in those areas, he's not going to be able to affect those, and you might just end up going down the path like usual. So this is something to think about and to, to uh, internalize for yourself. We want the seed of God to grow in our lives, and we don't want it to bounce off and get fed to the enemy. Next part here, some of the seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Jesus explains, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes and because of the word, they quickly fall away. Here we have this idea that there's nothing that can bring nourishment to the plant because the, shallow, the soil is shallow. And so none of the things a person needs to persevere in Christ are there. And then the sun comes out, persecution or whatever, like something because of their faith, and the plant just dies because its roots haven't gone deep enough. This is, again, about abiding in Jesus Christ, about having our roots go deep down into him and breaking up not just the surface soil, so it, like, you know, appears that we're open, but breaking it deep down, allowing God to go deep in our lives. Here's another one, and this is, this, is, this is the one that is the most probably dangerous for anyone sitting in a church. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And Jesus explains, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. This is a really sad one because here a person receives, receives the gospel on a surface level. And they might even attend church and be a religious type of person who does Christian things. But meanwhile, they're paralyzed in their seats because they, have, they simply want things more than God in their lives. They're still a Christian. They still have some fruit, but they don't, they don't love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. And they don't love their neighbor as themselves, perhaps, as Jesus said in the Bible. 
Um, and so because their first love is not with God, it's with many, many other things. And he, he, he cites worries of life. People are worried. Uh, deceitfulness of wealth and desires for anything come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And that's a sad state of affairs. You don't want to be that kind of soil where you're just existing as a Christian. Um, and just, just kind of holding on to faith in your back pocket with all your loose change and it not being central, your love for God not being a central thing. Finally, some good news. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew, produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And he explains, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So this is the person that is, is not a victim to the hard path of life. They've opened up those hard paths, those things that are just taken for granted, and said, God, you can say something into these, all of these sacred parts of my life. These are people that uh, have put their roots, roots down deep, haven't just settled for a surface existence with, their, existence with their roots just in the surface, but they've gone down deep and made a place for the roots to go down deep into the earth to receive nourishment so that when trouble comes, they can survive. These are people who... You know, are not planted in a thorny place where they, they might be a Christian, but they desire almost everything uh, more than they desire a deeper relationship with God. This is soil that's good. They accept the word sown in them. They grow a massive crop in Christ. And it takes humility. It takes opening yourself up to God being the Lord of your life. When we say Jesus is the Lord of my life, it's saying, okay, Jesus, you, I don't just believe uh, in you for my salvation. I want to make you the Lord of my life. The Lord of my preconceived ideas. The Lord of, of, of everything so that I desire to please you above all other things. That kind of person, the seed of God that's being thrown in liberality, that kind of person can grow a lot of good stuff. And it can grow a huge crop in Christ. So, the challenge today is, Asking yourself, what kind of soil am I really at this point in my life? You know, this is your New Year's sermon. I'm giving it to you early. It takes people a really long time to actually make good resolutions for New Year's. And I'm not going to do this on December 31st. Start now. What kind of soil do you want to be in the New Year starting now? Hey, say New Year's Day is tomorrow. Do you want to be, of course we all say we want to be the good soil, but do we want all that that entails? Do we want to begin to love God more than the deceitfulness of wealth, more than false security and other things, and more than any other love in our life? Are you, do you want to be that kind of soil? And if you do, if you really want that, you will get that. Jesus will, God will, for that person who sincerely and single-mindedly wants to be that good soil and comes to him in humility, God will make it so. We cannot change our hearts. We cannot soften our own hearts. But God, when we, when we desire to be that person, God can change things around in our lives to make it so that we can be a fruitful Christian. Um, so as, we are, as we're closing, and I think I'm going to close with prayer, I want to spend a little time together just, just looking at this board and thinking, and I want you to reflect and think about what kind of soil your life is right now and what kind of soil that you want to be. 
because I really feel like we, we think God is, is only throwing a few seeds here and there, but God is throwing a lot of seeds, guys. And it really is about the condition of our heart. Some of that is stuff that we have control over. Some of it is stuff that's happened to us we have no control over. But regardless, if we want to be that good soil, if we humble ourselves before God, God can make it so by his Holy Spirit. And God can give you a deeper capacity than you've ever had uh, in him.